All right, welcome back to the Young Turks. Uh, joining me now is Anthony Scaramucci, uh, former White House Communications Director, uh, current hedge fund operator. Uh, Anthony, welcome to the Young Turks. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm uh, out in Southampton enjoying a beautiful summer night. Okay, well, that sounds lovely. Second birthday. Okay, so Anthony, here's my first question to you. Who are you? And here's what I mean by that. Uh, you supported uh, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in the past. Uh, then you supported Jeb Bush and Scott Walker in the 2016 elections. Then you said you hoped that Hillary Clinton would win. And then you raised money for Donald Trump. And then you joined his administration for about 10 days. So who are you? Well, I mean, you know, some of that's misinformation. So, I mean, in the in the early part of my career, all I was was an entrepreneur. I was uh, raising money for myself and my funds management company. And so, you know, my 32nd career, I'm Tufts, Harvard Law School, worked at Goldman for seven years, uh, and then built a registered investment advisor, sold it, and then started Skybridge in 2005. So never had any political ambition, never frankly was on TV until I was 46 years old. Uh, but from time to time, when a client would come to me and say, hey, I'd like you to give a political donation to somebody, I said, sure, who is that? And in one case, it was uh, Senator Clinton back in 2000, when she was the first lady and running for the, her first time for the Senate. In another case, frankly, it was Chuck Schumer. Um, it's been a, an eclectic mix of Democrats and Republicans. But I was by and large saying politically agnostic. In 2007, uh, one of my closest friends from Harvard Law School said to me, hey, do you remember Barack Obama? I said, no, not really. Uh, I was class of 89 from Harvard Law School. He was class of uh, 1991. He said, well, he's running for president. Would you come to a fundraiser with us? And I went to that fundraiser and I was very impressed with Barack Obama, then Senator Obama. And so I gave him a check and and I said to him, hey, listen, we didn't really know each other that well in law school. Uh, but if I double the amount of the check and I tell people that we knew each other, he laughed and said, if you double the amount of the check, we could take it right back to Hawaii. So um, that was my first four way, foray into presidential uh, fundraising. Uh, when President Obama got elected, uh, again, I like him a great deal as a person, uh, but it was just not the policies that I thought made the most sense for America in terms of growth, deepening the economic opportunity for middle-class people and for blue-collar people like my parents were. And so I returned to what was more traditionally my roots, which is on the Republican side. And the weird thing about my dad saying he was a blue collar worker, but in the Nassau County area of Long Island, uh, the unions were really controlled by the Republican Party back in the 60s and 70s. You could ask Senator Alphonse D'Amato or, or Peter King. So my dad was in the union. He was a Republican. So therefore, I was a Republican. I returned to my Republican roots with uh, Mitt Romney. Um, and he had an unsuccessful run for president. And then I got close to Scott Walker. And so because of a personal friendship, I said, no problem, I'll go out and raise you money. Um, and then uh, President Trump, then Mr. Trump, I'd known him for a long time. Uh, he asked to meet with me, it was the day after the Apprentice finale. He said he was running for president, I laughed. I said, there's no way he is. He said, hey, I would like your support. Uh, and I said, well, I was already tied into Scott Walker. He said, well, after I kill Scott Walker, what do you say? I said, well, I'm going to be with Jeff Bush. That's where most of my clients are. So so I went through Walker and Bush, and uh, but I did promise uh, then Mr. Trump that I would support him 
uh, if he became the eventual nominee and he beat those guys. So, you know, when you ask me who I am, I'm a practical entrepreneur and I probably have political views that don't fit any box. You know, I could never really be a politician because I'm way far to the left on social issues like abortion, gay marriage. I was one of the hedge fund managers 10 years ago that supported the gay marriage initiative in New York. Uh, there were four or five of us that helped to get those Republican senators to switch their vote to support gay marriage. I worked with Chad Griffin from the Human uh, Rights Campaign on the national gay marriage movement. Mm -hmm. And so yep. you know, I'm, way, I'm way far to the left on stuff like that, and I'm probably center right other ways. I'm, I'm talking for a long time, but I just wanted to give you the whole thing. You yeah. asked who no, I am. No, I it's, asked. Hard to say, it's hard to say who you are in like two minutes, but yeah. anyway, that, that's more or less who I am. I got you. So uh, speaking of which, let's go over names real quick. Uh, so do you go, I, I know everybody calls you Mooch, but like, do your friends call you Mooch? Should I call you Anthony? Yeah. Should I call you Mooch? Well, look, I, I mean, it's either Anthony or Mooch. I mean, nobody ever called me Tony because my first grade teacher called me Tony. And imagine my embarrassment and horrification when my Nana and my mother marched on the school and insisted I be called Anthony. And so in very big black magic marker letters, uh, it was on my school record for the rest of my uh, my K through 12 schooling. So it yeah. was either Anthony, my gym teacher called me Mooch because my last name is Scaramucci. Yeah. And that sort of stuck. That sort of stuck when I was an athlete in high school and early part of my college career. Yeah, that makes sense. And and the C is pronounced like a J in my case, so it's Jank. Uh, but Jank, yeah. okay, That's, Jank, okay, yeah. good. Yeah, there you okay. go. Thank you. All right. So now, look, Mooch, as you were explaining it, it sounded pretty transactional when you were giving to to politicians. And to be to be fair, Trump said the same thing on the debate stage. He said, "Look, I'd give money to politicians, totally. and then they would do what I want." So, in your case, did the politicians do what you wanted? Oh no, they never do what you wanted. I mean, and by the way, I was never really even looking for favors. I wasn't lobbying anybody for anything. Um, but let me just uh, emphasize that it was uh, not just transactional; it was transactional opportunism. And so, what do I mean by that? Um, clients of mine. Uh, uh, asked me for favors. Obviously, I was looking for favors from them. I needed more money for my fund. Uh, in the case of Governor Romney, though, it was more of a philosophical thing. I thought his policies would lead to more growth for the country, therefore be better for me, my family, and my business. Uh, the, the, the president, uh, the, the Trump situation, that was more uh, uh, personal relationship with him, liking him as a person, uh, never thought I would be in politics, Jake. Never. Um, I was hosting Wall Street Week for the Fox Business Channel when the president won. And anybody that was on the campaign who would tell you they thought he was going to win, they're smoking it. None of us thought that he was going to win, including the president. He, he, he was very honest about that uh, after the election and gave more than one speech about that. We, we saw numbers the evening of the election night and even the Fox News decision desk was calling for uh, President Trump or then candidate Trump to lose Florida. So so I didn't think I was going to get sucked into anything. But when he won, he named me to his executive transition team. And then he asked me to be his chief networking officer, which is effectively the OPL director inside the White House, the Office of Public Liaison. I am a neophyte to politics, very naive about it. Uh, but I love my country. I've lived the American dream in the country. And so, you know what I said? So, okay, great, I'll go do that. Uh, but I didn't really understand what was going on. You know, Wright's previous wanted to cut my throat. Steve wanted, Steve Bannon wanted to hatchet me in the back. 
And I'm probably a stupid guy. I'm willing to admit that. I didn't realize that they were going to do that to me. Um, I thought we were all friends. And what I tell my my rich friends that are in the donor class, these guys want your money. They don't want anything else. They don't want your time or your energy. And they're also worried if you're not a person that can be bought by them, uh, well, then they don't really want you in the boat with them. You know, I'm, I'm not really a guy that can be bought. I don't, I personally could care two cents about their shenanigans. So um, when he asked me to do that, then they made up some stories about me and blocked me. And then I did something ridiculously stupid, which I would caution young people not to do. Never put your pride and ego into your decision making. And so I put my pride and ego into it. When they went to go kill me, I called the president and said, these are very bad guys. Uh, when you're ready to get rid of them, let me know. I'll come in and take care of it for you. Six months into his presidency, he called me. Uh, and, you know, my mistake, pride and ego, your emotions go high when you've got your pride and ego into something and your intelligence goes low. And I made a mistake on the phone with a reporter. It's my fault. I own it. Totally a fireball defense. Uh, but thankfully, I got Spicer, Bannon, and Previous blown from the White House uh, before my suicide vest went off. So, so for me, uh, it was an accidental entree into politics. Uh, but you know, now that I have a little bit of standing and I have a little bit of a better understanding of what's going on, um, I have no problem being a pundit. I have no problem speaking out and calling balls and strikes. And frankly, you know, sometimes the president likes that and. A lot of times he doesn't like that, but, you know, it's too bad. You know, I'm, I'm my own person yeah. and, you know, genuinely love the country. And uh, I've got five children and we have to be capable of doing better than we're doing right now. I don't know if you saw that circus or that Kabuki theater in Washington today, but, uh, you know, we yeah. got to be we got to be better than this, have to be better than this. So, Anthony, you said about Steve Bannon in the, in the article that got you fired that uh, he likes to fillet himself. Uh, do you think that he's still doing that? And and why were you well, opposed to Bannon in the first place? That was probably a little bit of fake news on my part. Right? I mean, I'm sure the guy can't do that. I mean, it's probably like no chance of that. But um, <laughs> it's fine. I mean, look. I mean, you know that. But that's like the Joker reporter, right? You know, I thought I was off the record with him. His father was good friends with my dad. Um, I obviously didn't say this is off the record. You know how he Kurtz from uh, Media Buzz said to me he's been in Washington. You'd never seen anybody do that to a White House official. But, you know, look, he did that. Talk about transactional. That was very transactional. But look, you know, it is what it is. I didn't have an issue with Steve, actually. In the beginning, I thought with Steve's philosophy, his writing style, and my interaction with him, I got the gist of what he was saying about the desperation economically for white, blue-collar workers. Um, and so I wrote a book called The Blue Collar President, which referenced a lot of those things. But what I missed about Steve, and again, I have to own this as well, was the megalomania, the egocentrism, the notion that he was the hand puppet uh, and the puppeteer, you know, the puppeteer for the Donald Trump hand puppet, if I, if I should say. So so all of that stuff I miss. And then I also miss the diabolical lying, the backstabbing and the leaking. Uh, but again, I was not a target of Steve Bannon's until the president said, hey, I want you to come in to the administration. You know, when I when we were working on the campaign, if you had asked me point blank, are you going to go work for the president if he wins? My answer would have been no. It wasn't until Trump won and they said, hey, I want you to come and work for me 
that I started to change uh, my thoughts on that. So I didn't become a target of Steve Bannon or or Reince until I entered that uh, circle, if you will. So Anthony, during the campaign before you joined the Trump team, uh, you had some harsh words for Trump himself. You thought that he was going in a direction that was stoking racial tensions. And recently when he went after the four Justice Democratic Congresswoman, he you once again said that his comments were racist, uh, period, full stop. Uh, you got disinvited from a Republican uh, event uh, after that. Uh, so, but earlier you said in this interview that you like him. So I'm not saying which one is it. I'm I'm just asking you, like, what are your feelings towards well, him? How do you, you like know, a I, guy if you do that that well, often I mean, says racist things? All right. So here here's the thing. I, the, the, our politics now are so divided, and Trump, for some reason, there has to be a 100-0 litmus test on him. So you have to agree with every single thing he says, otherwise the Republicans from Palm Beach County will disinvite you uh, from, from their lobster fest. But in the meantime. Uh, the president himself had to walk back the sender back chance in the Oval Office the day after they were rendered. So I'm just wondering if the Palm Beach County head of the Republicans would disinvite the president for walking back the chance. You know, it's it's so bizarre, Jenk, and it's so hypocritical and it's so nonsensical. Um, I do like the president. I don't think the president is a racist. Uh, but I do think that he's, he is also a transactionalist, and I do think that uh, he will sometimes say and do things that he thinks is going to ignite the base and uh, engender you know, higher voter participation for him of the people that voted for him in the past. So, you know, I don't like some of it, and I will totally speak out about it. You know, if you want to call Representative Omar an anti-Semite because she said that for Jews it's all about the Benjamins, or you want to call her a racist because she has said some racial comments. No problem with that. You, she stands on her record like everybody else. But to send, to call her, uh, you know, not to call her, but to say send her back or she needs to return to the country that she came from, that is a racist trope that's been heard by every ethnic American. Myself, I'm an Italian American. My grandmother really? used to be in tears when we were kids talking about that. Uh, she produced three children. One was my mom, but two of them, uh, one was uh, involved in the Normandy invasion in June of 1944, and the other one fought in the Ardennes in the Battle of the Bulge. Should they have sent my grandmother back because uh, they didn't like her or they wanted to racially slur her? And so for me, um, those comments are ridiculous. Uh, if you like the president and support the president, uh, you should get in his face, grab his face mask and say, hey, knock that off. That's ridiculous stuff. But you got a bunch of cowards and babies inside the Republican Party. You know, they're so afraid of him uh, that he may tweet about them or he may, uh, you know, they may get primaried by somebody that's more Trumpian than they are and all this stupid nonsense. So uh, these guys have thrown all their principles out the window uh, and instead of calling something for what it is and uh, and sticking to it, uh, they're very politically expedient. And so, you yeah. know, but let me just finish. I think this is something you need to understand. Why do I like the president? I like the president because I've been in the room with him and I know he's genuinely trying to do the right thing. But he is embattled by the media. And in my opinion, he has overreacted to that embattlement. And I think that's where he's getting into trouble verbally on some of the stuff that he's doing. So first of all, I just want to clarify, uh, Ilhan Omar never said the Jews like the Benjamins. Um, she, quoted okay. a, she quoted a song oh, that in reference to lobbying. Okay. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, so that's that's okay. So oh, she didn't tweet that out. I mean, maybe I got that. She wrong, tweeted you know? out, "It's all about the Benjamins," and put the the song, uh, uh, you know, uh, symbols next to it okay, in now, reference to lobbying. You sound like okay, but now you sound like the people that are defending Trump and parsing. No, stuff. not she, at all. She, not she, at she all. Not that. at all. But I oh, mean, look, Mooch, no, Mooch, you just said it yourself there a second ago. Look, all this lobbying is transactional, right? And and you did it for your clients, and you, and the connections are important, etc. She's calling out the lobbying. Trump called out the swamp, and, and so uh, that's that's Wait, just so the she, fact. So you're saying that she didn't say something anti-Semitic? No, I don't think she said something anti-Semitic at all. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that feel that she did. I'd have to do more research on that. Yeah. But again, I don't really even care. I mean, I I don't like those four people. I think that some of the policies and things that they're saying are off the wall, uh, but they have a right to say them. I mean, they're citizens, they're democratically elected representatives of the United States. Uh, uh, three of them are born in the country. And yeah. so they absolutely have the right to say that stuff. And uh, I respect their right. I would just like to debate them in the free marketplace of ideas. Yeah, no problem with that. Homework on Representative Omar. Maybe she didn't say that. And so I would then take that back. Um, uh, but, you know, bizarrely, I was defending them last week because even though I may not like some of the things they say and or do, um, they have a right to say and or do those things, Jack. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And I appreciate that, that uh, you defended them because it, it does show that you actually have an in, in, independent mind and you're not just going along with whatever the Republican Party says. So, uh, so do you have a do you still have a relationship with uh, President Trump? Do you ever call him? Does he ever call you? So, you know, the last time I talked to the president was probably six or seven weeks ago. Um, he's not going to call me at this point. He's probably red hot mad at me. You know, he doesn't like people to go against him even for a minute or a second. You know, and again, it has to do with his embattled uh, personality. You know, he had an opportunity to be very forgiving of Ambassador Dirac, the uh, UK ambassador, and he decided not to and he froze him out. And, you know, I wrote an article. Uh, in one of the London papers explaining that that was a mistake because uh, whether you like the ambassador or you didn't, he was a friend of the United States and he gave the president everything that he wanted during that UK state visit. And so, you know, Franklin Roosevelt ignored some of the nasty critiques that Prime Minister Churchill had about him uh, uh, in order to accomplish a broader goal. Uh, you know, uh, Salmon P. Chase, the Secretary of Treasury, uh, viciously attacked Abraham Lincoln more than once while he was in the cabinet. Lincoln elected to ignore that as well, again, for a much bigger goal. And so for me, you know, again, I like the president, want to support him, want to help him win reelection. Uh, but if he has this like 100 zero litmus test, uh, he's going to lose a lot of support. And and I'll tell I'll tell you this. I said it on CNN last week. If he continues to use racist tropes in the campaign and racist chants like send them back. It won't just be me that break off from him. There's an entire iceberg of people that are gonna move away from the president. And, and, and you know, look, I don't wanna get into the details of this, but more than one person has called me who used to be and are current standard bearers of the Republican party that has said, okay, look, you know, uh, we're with you on this if it continues. So let's see what he does. Well, I hope he stops it. Uh, but if he doesn't stop it, you know, the weird thing, and I'll tell my fellow Republicans, and since, you know, you're a progressive channel, there are not many Republicans on the channel. But, you know, some people say that Barack Obama helped to 
create, invent, and elect Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump, for progressives, could be the best thing that ever happened to them, because if he continues down this road, uh, the anger and the voter participation will be such that he'll, he'll likely help to elect the first socialist president, which I hope, frankly, doesn't happen because those policies fail. Um, but I think that the style and how he's doing certain things very damaging to the country. And, you know, what yeah. he's doing in terms of policy has been very positive, but it's, it's, it's not good, the style, and it's not good the, the way he's approaching certain things. And what I'm shocked about is that people that actually like him are, are not telling him the truth. You know, you and I are, aren't friends. We're meeting for the first time electronically. But if you were my friend and you had a booger in your nose, I would tell you. I'd say, hey, Cenk, take the booger out of your nose. You know? so, <laughs> well, so I would appreciate me, that, Mooch. Yeah, um, I would want you to do the same for me. But I don't understand why these guys are such frady cats and such babies. I mean, you know, look, I respect the office of the presidency and I respect President Trump and his accomplishments in life. But he's just another person. So, you know, you, you got to talk to him straight if you you want to see a level of improvement. And by the way, people have to talk to me straight. I mishandled myself. Um, got myself fired. I've owned it and uh, learned a lot about it and uh, obviously can take coaching going forward on how to make myself better as well. Yeah. But, you know, when you when you have a situation where you're frightened to talk to somebody or you alter your behavior when you're with the person, it leads to a downfall. That happened at Lehman Brothers. You know, Dick Fold was an intimidating guy. People didn't want to tell him what problems that they saw. And so, you know, the emperor they told him that he had clothes. The emperor had no clothes and the, was the largest bankruptcy in U.S. history. I, I would never let that happen to my company. I tell people, smack up and kiss down. Be nice to my assistant, but you can smack me if you think I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. So look, Mooch, there's a, a lot to appreciate about the things that you've said today, right? So. I like that you're open-minded. I grew up on the East Coast. Very, I grew up in Jersey with a lot of Italian guys like you. So that's that's why I was kidding around about. Like, really, you're Italian? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look, I'm 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 a I'm a hundred percent Italian. I mean, probably uh, twenty three of me would say otherwise. But I got raised in an Italian culture. Yeah. And uh, you know, but I also got raised. I mean, I love the country, and so part of loving the country is to have some level of courage and some level of perspective and right. you know so but that's that's why I want to ask you one last question so look uh, again I like that you're open and honest uh, here and uh, and we disagree on things and there's nothing wrong with that uh, you know I don't think the progressives running are uh, probably in the in the category you think they are when you say socialist etc but that's for another day uh, but but as I look at Trump uh, You've got that deep insecurity, which you're basically acknowledging. You're saying that it's, you know, he's embattled by the media. But if you're a strong person, like you gave the example of Lincoln, et cetera, and I have the same leadership style you do, that, you know, anybody can say anything to me because it, uh, yeses don't help me, no's help me to get to a better uh, understanding, et cetera. But the president isn't like that because he's deeply insecure. And he says racist things over and over again. You think that he's trying to get his base, which by the way indicates that the base is racist. Uh, and, and on top of that, you add that he's not that bright. And I don't know if you'll acknowledge that. But when you put all that stuff together, it doesn't make for a very likable guy. So what is it about him that you like given all those terribly negative well, what uh, characteristics? I said, what I said earlier, you know, what I said earlier in the room where it happens, where I have been, not again just for the 11 days, but for a year on the campaign, 12 weeks on the transition when we were selecting and interviewing cabinet members, 
uh, and in conversations with him before I got the comms job and after I left the comms job, it, you know, I believe that his heart is in the right place and he's trying to do the right thing. You can't say he's not smart. Uh, he's uh, smart differently than he's smart differently than academics. You know, he he went from being a rally television star to the American presidency and slayed 18 establishment Republicans in 17 months. So you got to have some level of intelligence to do that. It just may be a different form of intelligence. A different um, form of intelligence. I like that excuse. Well, <laughs> or framing, I'll put it that, that way. You have to accept that there's something going on there that's intelligent. Um, but you're asking a very good question. I, just wanna, I know we got no little, little time to go, but I just want to say two things. Number one, uh, the father of progressivism in the United States was Teddy Roosevelt, who was a Republican. Yep. Um, and when I think about progressivism, I think about it the way Roosevelt thought about it, which is that there is a need to help the lower and middle income people. And I supported the president uh, because whether you guys like it or not, there was a vacuum of that support from establishment Democrats and establishment Republicans. And by the way, I went to several Bernie Sanders rallies, Jay, mm-hmm. very same group of people. I mean, maybe different ideas about how to fix the problem, but the same group of economically desperate people. So you know, I, I, I want to be on the side of bridging that gap. I want to be on the side of picking and choosing three or four great ideas from the left that will help improve I- income disparity. Uh, but I still want to keep intact the free market principles of the country and the right to self-determination and the elements of the meritocracy that you and I have both lived. Because, you know, my dad was an hourly worker and I've been able to build an amazing life and live a very large part of the American dream in the U.S., and I would certainly want that for people as well. So I don't want people's uh, identities or incomes or aspirations capped either. So, yeah. so to me, if there's more interaction, you know, I can't tell you the number of Republicans said, "Oh my God, you're going on the Young Turks. That's horrifying. You're Benedict Arnold. You're a traitor." And I'm like laughing. We should be talking to each other. And yeah. what I don't understand is that when the left says, "Well, I can't talk to the right. I'm going to lose my base." And the right says, well, I can't talk to the left. I'm going to lose my base. What about losing the country, fellas? How about losing the country, you know? Yeah. So for me, I would love to sit down with you and find where there's common ground and see if we can craft a coalition that improves the policies of the United States that leads to better growth for future generations, you know? All right. Well, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that you came on and, and, and talked it through. And we definitely do agree on some things and obviously disagree I on others. I dressed up for you, Jank. I just want you to know that I put I put my best clothing on for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, it's, it's, it's a sign of uh, a big compliment to you that I'm sitting here in my dining room talking to you, you know. <laughs> okay. I got my I got my med sunglasses though too, you know. See? Okay. Although they they're a terrible team this Rem- year. Reminds me of Piazza a little bit. So, all right. <laughs> uh Mooch, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate being on. I look forward to catching up. Sounds good. All right. Uh, fascinating, isn't it? Okay. Uh, Anna and I are going to have uh, an equally fascinating post game when we come back. TYT.com slash join to become a member of the Young Turks. Um, and we will see you when we return. And the, as you know from the Italian expression, the fish stinks from the head down. But I can tell you two fish that don't stink. Okay. And that's me and the president. <laughs> 